Three, two, one. Yep. How about that? With the second pick in the 2011 NFL Draft, the Denver Broncos select Von Miller, linebacker, Texas A&M. He's the greatest ever, huh? And then I just wanted when you to got make... all the advantages. Welcome back to the Aggie War Pod. I am your host, senior writer of Dave Campbell's Texas Football Magazine, Mike Craven, joined as always by co-host Jay Arnold, former fighting Texas Aggie defensive lineman. How are you doing, sir? I am doing well. Uh, really enjoyed having yesterday off. Uh, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. I'm playing injured. Got a couple ant bites mowing the lawn on Sunday, so, so fighting through some pain, uh, some heroic stuff. I'm sure you understand you've had some bumps and bruises along the way as well on this show we will discuss the ongoing sec schedule drama a conversation i am sick of a talk about aggie baseball going into the regionals there's one of the the best times of the college sports year in my opinion and then a recent music festival and barbecue festival in college station but first the newcomers who didn't graduate early or transfer in for the spring semester moved in and are gearing up for their first few weeks on campus our own jay arnold did the exact same thing 10 years ago. A bushy-tailed three-star true freshman from Rockwall Heath. Jay, when I bring up moving day, what pops into the mind? Uh, freedom. It was the first <laughs> time first time getting out of the parents' house, right? And uh, for, for a lot of college kids, that's going to be the, uh, the same scenario uh, where it's kind of, you know, the first time off on their own in a way. I mean, you'll have a roommate. Uh, obviously, that'll be... Not not completely alone. Uh, my roommate, my freshman year, was uh, a walk on uh, Nick Cobb, uh, who was a four time state champion wrestler at Allen High School. Oh, but uh, we, uh, you know, we had a good time. It's obviously it's kind of a it's just a fun experience. You're you're getting into the apartment, uh, and you, you kind of it just feels like the world is your oyster whenever you get out on your own for the first time. Were there any 2 a.m. wrestling contests there between <laughs> the former Allen State champion and, and Mr. J. Arnold? No, we didn't have any 2 a.m. wrestling contests, but we did uh, every once in a while in the locker room. You know, you just kind of if you've wrestled, you, you, the, some of the instincts just never go away. So if somebody gives up, comes up to give you a hug, I mean, it's just kind of natural to pummel and, right. you know, get, get those underhooks. Uh as it were, but uh, there was a, there was a couple of wrestling matches in the locker room on occasion. I'm curious, when was your first like, man, this is kind of a, a big deal here at College Station moment? Because I'd imagine it kind of it's got to hit at some point that like this is college football. This isn't just you know the fun time of recruiting anymore. Yeah, I so the first thing that we did like the next day after moving in is they hook you up to a machine and do the I think it's called the VO2 Max. Uh, where they like measure your level of fitness. Okay. And for, for me coming out of high school, I mean, I wrestled in high school, so obviously there's a different level of fitness to that, uh, that, that I think helped prepare me a little bit more, but like, you're not having tests run on you in high school whenever you're 
you know, trying to get in shape. I mean, it's just pretty much you're in shape or you're not. Uh, there's actual metrics and things that I had no idea was was kind of wild to see. It's it's like, uh, you know, oh, that's a lot of money being put into this. Yeah, this isn't just uh, you know, a <clears throat> recreational activity in in high school anymore. What were the hardest parts of adjusting to? student athlete life in that first couple of weeks was it just like learning the campus and figuring out how to not be lost like what what were those difficult times yeah so i mean the way we did it is uh one of our summer classes was basically just like an intro to AM. okay uh which was you know because you missed fish it, camp yeah you right. missed fish camp but it's like i think it count counted as like an a-led credit which was ag leadership as a, as a major at AM, if you don't know uh and and class kind of counted as an elective or like a credit towards that uh but one of the assignments that we had was to uh complete a scavenger hunt uh around campus to kind of pick up uh you know certain uh key landmarks which honestly in a way helped you learn the campus pretty quickly Mm -hmm. uh but as far as the adjustment i mean it's just uh you know there's a certain level of schedule that you're used to in in high school where you know if you're not living uh with with your parents i mean it's you have to adjust to kind of doing everything on your own and it's for me i mean obviously you know some of the kids had already had some experience uh with that but like for me it was having all this control and and also having all this responsibility like if, if i don't wake up i mean Ain't nobody is going to wake me up. It's going to be just me who has the uh, responsibility for that. And I, I did find that out after a party one time. Uh, <laughs> there are consequences to pay for not waking up on time for workouts. Uh, getting to run stairs at Kyle Field was uh, not a great experience post-party. Man, I, my college experience was so different. You know, I missed class and nothing happened. Nothing at all. <laughs> uh, they still shipped me my diploma and everything. Um, moving on from that. Cause that's cool. I think that's like, you know, wh- where does that rank? And like, in terms of like favorite moments of the college experience that, that first movie, I imagine it's gotta be pretty high. Yeah. The, the best part of it is you walk into the locker room and seeing your name yeah, uh, over your locker. And it's a locker room that's, you know, have legends in there. I mean, uh, Heisman winner and John David Crow has been in the locker room. I mean, obviously in my time it was Johnny, Man- I'm sharing a locker room with Johnny Manziel and, and Mike mm-hmm. Evans and, and Jake Matthews and these guys that are huge names from the pre- previous year uh, in college football uh, and seeing your name up there. It's kind of a, you know, you, you take a step back and you're like, wow, I'm here. I have a pretty high level of college football that I'm, I'm now a part of. Yeah, you've made it. And nowadays they've really made it like in more in more ways than one. The digs are a little bit nicer than probably you experienced back in the day. Yeah. I mean, we did a, like a little a locker room renovation that I got to experience. Uh, and, you know, the from my freshman year locker room to my sophomore year locker room, there was a big change. Uh, and now, I mean, it's even nicer. It's like they just keep it's a never ending race to have the best facilities. So now it's just gets better and better. (laughs) 
And there's huge construction going on. Uh, they're extending the indoor and doing a bunch of doing a bunch of stuff there. I went out there a couple of times for for spring practices, and you know everything new is getting built. So it's gonna, like you said, gonna get even bigger and nicer and and crazier. And that that's the world we live in in college football. Speaking of just crazy college football conversations that will not end, uh, that was a nice transition there. Let's talk about the SEC scheduling drama. Uh, eight or nine games seems to be the question. It appears the SEC is split. And without extra money from ESPN, the group is thinking about keeping the eight-game model uh, for at least one more season. In theory, if that continued, games such as Texas versus Texas A&M wouldn't happen on a yearly basis. They'd go the one permanent and then seven rotating. You play every, I think, twice every four years, once home, uh, once away. Uh, Jay, kind of what are your overall thoughts on this idea of eight games or nine games and this kind of posturing that seems to be happening between uh, at least some of the conference and ESPN? I think it's pretty dumb. I mean, I think it's a, a no-brainer to go to nine games. I I mean, uh, I guess, like, I get why there would be a little bit of a holdout for wanting more money uh, from ESPN. But uh, at the end of the day, like, I just don't see a legitimate reason for, for sticking to eight games when you have two more teams coming in. Uh, so many, you know, it's not just A&M in Texas, right? Like, there's a ton of games that would go by the wayside. Yep. Uh, I mean, does Alabama get rid of the Iron Bowl, or do they get rid of the third Saturday in October? Right, like there's a few games that would uh be at risk uh, when it when it when it comes to that. So I think the nine games is a no brainer. But <clears throat> as we all know, money drives this thing. So uh, who knows what's going to be the decision? Who would Ar- Who would A and M's one be? Arkansas, LSU. I think LSU. Because, I mean, where does that leave Arkansas? Because they're not going to get Texas. They're not going to get A&M. You know, like, what, who's going to be their permanent? Uh, they get Mizzou. They get Mizzou. Um, so it's just a, a tough – every single argument for the eight game seems dumb and just uh, petty almost. Because when you mention the, you know, the money situation, well, they all split this money, right? So, like, Vanderbilt getting to a bowl or not getting to a bowl, it's not like that's what's keeping Vanderbilt afloat or not. They're going to split in the college football playoff riches just like everybody else in that conference. And if we're talking about getting more teams into the college football playoff, how much is enough? I mean, they're going to get three in every single year, regardless, right? Like, and so uh, I just don't get it. It feels like a bunch of of man manufactured drama. One to stay in the news cycle because I think the SEC has that figured out, right? Where you kind of stay in this twelve months out of the year. There's always something to talk about. It's a TV product and entertainment above all, and good for them, right? Like we're talking about it. I'll probably write an article about it and get some clicks and all that kind of stuff. Um, so not I'm not hating completely. Um, it just feels like when you see these manufactured arguments for eight, it's like, come on, guy, you can't. We're not. We're not this silly. We're not this dumb. Get to eight or get to nine, like everybody else with a big conference like that. And let's go. Yeah, it, it's and again, like because it seems so easy to us, uh, they're probably going to make it a lot more difficult than it should yeah. be. Yeah, I would think the most likely scenario is that they stay with eight in 2024. While scheduling those three possible permanent opponents, are even though it's just the one game, you know, just an eight game deal, that way you can move to nine uh, if ESPN caves and gives more money in 2025. And everybody who would have played in the nine game schedule with the three six model did play anyway in the 2024, even though it was an eight game schedule. That that's my that that feels like the cynical approach I would take, and just like kicking it down the road and seeing if a year later ESPN goes okay. We'll give you some extra money for that ninth conference game. Yeah. I mean, 
if you're not going to go to nine right away, which is a smart decision that uh, I think everybody would like to see, uh, then yeah, just do eight games for one year and then uh, kick the can down the road and, and revisit it for 2025. Because the whole point is to see more of these games. Like that's why you bring Texas and Oklahoma into this conference. That's why you expand this conference. That's why USC and UCLA are going to this conference. They're not going to the Big Ten to play Ohio State twice every four years, right? Yeah. You you, you want to see that game. Um, Texas and Texas Texas coming to the SEC not to play A and M twice every four years, but to play every single season. It'd be a crime against the game of college football, honestly. If the SEC went to eight games, and I, I'm not saying that they'll move right away. Again, I, I think that they'll play eight this year but it, it it's hard for me to believe that this isn't just posturing that leads eventually to the nine game schedule and ESPN you know dropping some loose change out of their pocket for another you know couple million dollars per each school yeah i just like you said i think it's just all posturing at this point i mean there's there's just no way uh and i think a lot of people will kick up so many so many issues as far as like games that aren't getting played because we're already i mean when we went and did the uh sec schedules uh earlier this year like there were already games that were were getting left out that were kind of yep. like oh man that that kind of stinks to, to limit it to one game i mean you're really gonna have some issues with that i can't remember what coach pointed it out but he was like you'd still play the same exact amount of games against the same team you know you'd still see everybody else the same so it just doesn't seem doesn't seem to make sense the only other power five uh, conference to still be at eight is the ACC and they only have 14 teams. So it just seems like an outdated thing that, that will grow eventually. It's just a matter of when and, and how ESPN and the SEC figure that out. Let's move to some baseball. A, a first for the Aggie war pod. Uh, Texas A&M is headed to Palo Alto. Have you ever been out there to Stanford university? I have not been to Northern Gorgeous. California. I, I've been to, uh, been to Huntington beach, that area. Uh, so I, I have been to the California coast. I've gotten my toes in the Pacific ocean and I've been to, uh, Seattle, but I have not been to places in between. So, uh, Palo Alto is still on the list. Excellent area. I obviously wouldn't live there for obvious reasons, but if I had enough money to where I didn't care about how much was taken from me, absolutely would consider living in Palo Alto. Very beautiful area. That's where Texas A&M will be as the two seed in Stanford bracket. Stanford is the national eight seed. Game one for AM is against Cal State Fullerton at 10 p.m. Central Time on ESPN2 on Friday night. Uh, San Jose State is the fourth team in that bracket. They'll play Stanford. It's a double elimination uh, bracket for people who don't know. So the winner of one will play the winner of the other, and then loser brackets, et cetera, et cetera. Um, Jay, what are the odds that you make it through nine innings of, of baseball that starts at 10 p.m. on a Friday night? Uh, the odds are not even good that I make it to the start of the game. So uh, we'll, we'll, we'll kick that yeah. off. Right. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm feeling a little worn down from the Memorial Day weekend festivities, and uh, I may not make it up to like eight for the rest of the week. Uh, so, so 10 is a big ask, even on a Friday night. Uh, uh, what's funny about this is I was asked earlier to be on a podcast tonight at 8 p.m. And I said yes. And I've been regretting it ever since, not because I don't want to do the podcast, but because working at 8 p.m. seems so late. It is. It's, it's extremely late. And, uh, you know, it, it just feels later and later. Uh, the longer we go through life, I feel like everything uh, just feels later. Like, I mean, there's days at 730 where I'm ready to just kind of get into bed and 
and call it a day. So 10 is a, 10 is a very late time for a game. It is funny when you have that conversation with yourself about what is not an unreasonable time to go to sleep, you know, cause it, it's hard to like go to sleep at seven and not feel like it's depression. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, you gotta, you gotta like get to nighttime, you know? And it's like one of those things where it's like, man, I'm tired and I could probably go to sleep right now, but then I'd also probably get up at 4am and then the cycle would continue. So I got to push this thing further and further back. Uh, how big of a college baseball fan are you? Uh, I watch college baseball uh, pretty pretty actively once the conference tournaments get underway. That's kind of um, me I'm too. I'm kind of similar. Yeah, I'm kind of similar to NCAA basketball in that respect, where regular season I can take it or leave it. Uh, I love going to college baseball games. I think they're great atmospheres. Uh, you know, like I definitely want to see a game at, at Ole Miss. I want to see a game at Mississippi State. Uh, I'd love to see a game at Alex Box and LSU. Uh, but it's just. There's only so much bandwidth you can have and, and so much money, too, for travel. Sure. Uh, so I don't get to watch college baseball as much as I'd like to. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, I tend to watch it later and later as I get older. I was a baseball fanatic when I was growing up. That was my that was my favorite sport. I used to go to the Cliff Gustafson baseball camps in Austin uh, every single summer at Dish Falk. Grew up watching A&M, Texas baseball. Um, always really good. Always, uh, always rever- Southwest Conference was a great baseball conference. Uh, back in its heyday i watch less and less for that same reason right you just only have so much bandwidth um the best players tend to go to the professionals and it's just hard to get into it in march however a bucket list item for me in in the world of athletics is to get to the college world series in omaha uh what are some bucket list sports sports things for you yeah i mean college world series obviously pretty up there for me but brawl of the wild the Mm. the game between uh, Montana State in Montana is I don't think I can handle uh, pretty weather. high up there for me. I'd want to go see that in Missoula. <laughs> it gets cold. I mean, you're late in the season and you're uh, very far north, so it is a, a pretty cold environment. But I think I, I feel like that one sounds better uh, in theory. Go... <laughs> I don't know, man. I I, uh, I don't mind the cold too much. Yeah, you're a bigger guy than I am. But uh, another one, another one for sure would be uh, going to 24 Hours of Le Mans. I think oh, that'd wow. be a, a blast to, to go see that race. Uh, and the Indy 500, while we're on the topic of races that just happened this weekend, uh, would be another one I want to go see. I think the one the the ones that I've been able to cross off the list are, you know, I went to the Rose Bowl. That, that was really cool. If you're a college football fan, that, that, that does seem like a venue unlike any other. Just the backdrop of it, just it's a beautiful place to watch football. Uh, I went to the Masters, but only to a practice round, which was pretty cool uh, because like the the golfers were more laid back and they'd kind of talk to some fans and, you know, weren't as like hyper focused and and ignoring you as much. You, you had smaller crowds. So that was cool. I don't know if that counts as a bucket list thing. Now, I, I think the College World Series is definitely up there for more for me. Another one would be going to a big time European soccer match in like Germany or you know, like Romania, Anfield. Or you know, like just like just one of the I don't even know if England's England's gotten tamer and tamer through the years. Right. Like it's not I I, I want to go see some like flares being launched at people. Like I want to be in the <laughs> maybe spot. maybe you want to go to River Plot versus uh, yes, Boca's Junior. Something like that. Right. Like something like that where it's just like, holy crap, I may not make it out. Of it. Like that. That is that is something that I would love to do one day. Yeah, uh, I guess the ones that I've crossed off the list uh, recently as far as sporting events go, the Daytona 500, 
Mm. Uh, I was lucky enough to go to that last year, and that was definitely a bucket list for me. Uh, trying to think what else here. Well, uh, I grew up an OU fan. I didn't know. I don't know if you knew that, but uh, yep. I did grow yep. up an OU fan, and I got to go see the Red River Shootout and cross mm-hmm. that off the list. That was a lot of fun. Uh, just because that's such a cool environment with the stadium evenly split, yeah. Uh, state and at fair, the, uh, state fair, yeah. It's just uh, really, really special. Uh, a game similar to that that I want to go to uh, before they move it, because uh, there's talks about that stadium not being around. Is the uh, world's largest outdoor cocktail party in yeah. Jacksonville? Yeah, I'd love to see Florida and Georgia uh, play each other there and just kind of interact with the fans as a neutral party. I think that'd be a blast. But uh, yeah, it's uh, I mean, I just feel like this list also just grows constantly, and I always forget things that I want to have on there, uh, just because every every day I find out something new where I'm like, oh, I kind of want to go to that, uh, like the Isle of Man race that they do. There you go. Uh, that seems like and I love that kind of stuff. All the time, absolutely love that kind of stuff. Would love to go do the running of bulls, uh, you know, something like that. That'd be great. If we we're talking college football, I think an underrated one would be Southern versus Grambling. Yeah, uh, that that would be a hell of a time. That would be a, a really fun time. Uh, also, Army versus Navy. Uh, I would love, I would love to get to that game. One I just forgot about because of how crappy the game was, but one was always the national championship game. And I was able to go to that this last year with TCU in Georgia, but it's been blacked out in my mind because I didn't watch any of the second half. <laughs> Here's another one I want to go to uh, Iowa, Iowa State, uh, El Asico. I, I want to make a trip up to uh, either Ames or, or Iowa City for that one. I don't want to derail the podcast. Maybe I do for the rest of the time. But what is everybody's fascination with shitty football? You know what I mean? Like, I feel like. <laughs> Iowa versus Iowa State is the epitome of crap football year in and year out. And it's like built this cult following. And like, what else do we do that for? Where we like take the most awful, boring part of a thing we love and then like make that the thing that's like cool. Like punters become this weird cult. I think it's, it just feels weird to me. I just don't understand it. <laughs> well, I mean... Alaska can be so bad that it's chaotic. There's no right, like chaotic. There sure, can be so many turnovers in the game. Right. And I think that uh that can play a part in it, but I mean, there's there's some other factors too. I mean, it's just like Pac-12 after dark. Some of the games that you get there uh, that are just that just seem to be chaotic. Uh, you know, there's uh just some something about events finding joy in, in chaos is is something that i uh enjoy uh quite a bit so may, maybe that's it maybe it's just the chaotic aspect of it and plus i think uh anytime two teams hate each other as much as iowa and iowa state do and those two teams definitely do hate each other uh it's something i can get on board with that's fair that's fair i would just take high scoring chaotic over 10 to 7 chaotic that's just not as is not, I don't need my NBA games to be 84 to 79 for the, you know, I don't need my college football games to be 10 to seven. I was born in 1985. I believe in the air raid. Like let's go score some points. You know what I mean? Like that's what I'm here for. Um, give me some old school big 12 shootouts. If we're going to get weird rather than some big 10 punting competitions. Was it Baylor and Washington that had that bowl game that was like 76 to I want every day, something like that. Give me that every day. Oh man. I mean, 74 72 seven overtimes a and lsu 
Boom. Fantastic. <laughs> yep. 100%. That's it, if we, I mean, I think I'll take a good 31 to 28 back and forth type of game that has a little bit more, you know, evenness about it. But if I have to pick weird and high scoring or weird and low scoring, I'm going to be basic and take the high scoring every day. I know you're a defensive guy and maybe you would go the other way, uh, but the chicks dig points and we all know it. Yeah. Well, and I, I am a fan of uh, a big man touchdown every once in a while. There you go. There you go. Sprinkle in a couple of defensive touchdowns in there. And we're on our way. Before we get out of here, you went to what is a really cool event, the, the Troubadour Festival there in College Station. Uh, with that park that they've created right around the stadium, it feels like a perfect place to do that. Uh, it made this festival, I'd imagine, pretty great. For people who've never heard of it, never been out there, kind of what is it? What were your highlights? Yeah, uh, so this was my third Troubadour Festival, but the first one that they put on in College Station. And... Uh, you know, the previous iterations were Salina and Georgetown. Uh, and, and essentially what the festival is, is a celebration of Texas barbecue and Texas music. Two things that I am very much a fan of. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, the most recent version of it in College Station was held at Aggie Park. The the new uh, tailgating area, I guess it's been renovated. It used to be Spence Park. Now it's Aggie Park. And, and it is really a, a really cool setup. Uh, that AM has there. And uh, I mean, you had 34 of the best Texas barbecue joints in the state come in. I mean, as far away as uh, Wolferth, Texas, Abby Mays came in from around the Lubbock area. Uh, you had Brick Vault come in from Marathon, Texas, uh, out by Big Bend. Uh, Teddy's from Westlaco came up. Uh, and then you had, you know, like the, the hubs of barbecue. I mean, Austin. Uh, Leroy and Lewis interstellar joints like that were out there. Uh, Houston had joints. Uh, you had some, some hill country. I mean, you had just joints from everywhere serving incredible bites. Uh, one of the best things I had over the weekend was, uh, this chicharron that, that guests family barbecue and Waco put together. It was a, a chicharron with a green apple guacamole, which was kind of wild, but it was delicious. Uh, Brett's uh, family barbecue from Rockdale did a uh, a banana bourbon nutter butter, or let me let me get this right here, a bourbon nutter butter banana pudding. That's it, wow. and it was pretty electric. I mean, I didn't have a bad bite at the whole festival. Uh, all I I would I could go down the list and mention all of them, but uh, you know my stomach only had so much room, and you know uh, we would be here forever. Uh, and that's not all the festival also has some great music. So, uh, if you're like me and into the country and Americana side, uh, of Texas music, uh, it's also just a hell of a show after the barbecue. So you do have kind of have to fight to stay awake, but re-entry is allowed. So you could go back and take a nap if you're smart. I wasn't, uh, so we just kind of powered through the whole thing, but Treaty Oak Revival kicked it off. Uh, Uncle Lucius, who was on hiatus for a while, back together, played at that show. Uh, Charlie Robeson, who had to sit out a while with some vocal issues, back at that show. Uh, and then Shane Smith and the Saints, who I think is, I think they're one of the best live acts going right now, just with the energy they give uh, to the show. Uh, they put on a hell of a show, and then Midland closed it out. And uh, all this is in the shadow of Kyle Field at Aggie Park. And I mean, it was just... Uh, an incredible event. Hats off to to Chase Colston, who puts on Troubadour Festival, all the 
folks on his team, all of the the barbecue pitmasters and all the musical acts. I mean, I cannot picture a better time for me personally as somebody who loves barbecue, who loves music, and who loves Texas A&M. Uh, than going to <laughs> Troubadour Festival at Aguiland. I mean, it's just uh, a hell of an experience. Had the barbecue not put me to sleep, the country music probably would have. Um, that's <laughs> just a, a personal thing of mine. But jo- jokes aside, I have a real question for you. Have you ever you ever get sick of barbecue? Have you ever had some barbecue put in front of you or somebody suggests barbecue and like deep down in your brainstem, it's like, ah. We want to we want to fight or flight this thing. You know what I mean? Yeah, actually, uh, on the recent uh, trip over to Austin and San Antonio for barbecue, uh, when I I think I guess it was the third day of the trip that Saturday when I kicked it off with Valentina's, uh, then had style switch for lunch and then had Curry Boys for kind of an early dinner, and they tried to give us barbecue in the hospitality room at the XFL Championship. I was immediately uh, like, oh, no, my body does not want this at all. (laughs) Just rejecting it like no more. Absolutely. Nothing was smoking it. It was uh, it was kind of a rough experience, Uh, but uh, I I wasn't going to eat it. And then I I said something about it online and someone told me to stop being a coward. So I ended up uh, eating some more barbecue. Uh, Not quite as enjoyable. Uh, as some of the other spots earlier on were but uh no nah, i mean there's definitely days when i get tired of the barbecue but uh it, it's kind of become part of the brand now so you gotta kind of have to keep doing it <laughs> yep yep no doubt all right i think that's gonna do it uh for this edition of the aggie war pod we will be back in a couple of weeks um uh, to probably start talking non-conference schedule look ahead at at media days and stuff like that that won't be uh, but about a month out the next time uh, we, we record. Um, so for Jay Arnold, Mike Craven, Aggie Warpod, Dave Campbell's Texas Football, Republic of Football, please rate, subscribe, all that stuff. And we will talk to you next time.